three, two. <clears throat> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep that in. That's amazing. This has <laughs> never right happened. Us. In like three years, that's never happened. Just right as I was about to say it. <clears throat> three, two, one. Welcome to the Josh Johnson Show. I'm Josh Johnson, joined by my co-host, fellow stand-up comedian, Logan Nielsen. Logan, how you doing, buddy? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. I, uh, I, I feel like some days there's... Okay, mm-hmm. this, this might sound weird. Um, I don't have that many genes. I don't... I, I, <laughs> I'm not the type of person to just go out and buy a bunch of jeans, right? Right, right. So I have... How many jeans would you say? I think I have three pairs of jeans. Three pairs of jeans. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. It, it feels normal, but... That's a good regular amount, I think. I now... I, I've, I've held on to some jeans for far too long that don't fit me and they'll never fit me. I don't even know if I want them to fit me because I don't even know what size I'd have to be for these to fit. I just bought the wrong pair of jeans and waited too long to return them. Mm-hmm. And they're, and like, I know I can donate them, so I'm going to do that. And they've been in a bag waiting to be donated, perfectly folded for a while. But I've done this so many times that I now have like three pairs of jeans. I have, I have no four pairs. I have more pairs of jeans to donate <laughs> than I have to wear for myself in my life. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And and I feel like failure is the wrong word, but like <laughs> I I should know I should know what hugs my hips. And I and I still sometimes go to the store, like mm-hmm. go to the department store, panic, right? Mm-hmm. Go to the dressing room. And before I even get in the dressing room, I always forget I can just do this in the dressing room. I will try to look behind my ass to to see the size because they put it on the back. So sometimes I'll pull at the jean and try to turn around and look at it and then and then be like, is that 30-32 or is that a 30-30, right. you know, whatever, right? Then, Forgetting that you will take them off and be able to yes, look at them freely. that I will take them off in the dressing room. Then then I grab the jeans, I go to the dressing room, I fully take them off, I compare tags and I'm like I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is the wrong size." Then I leave the dressing room, I go back out, I get the same size as the pants I'm wearing. I put them on for whatever reason, sometimes they don't fit. So then I'm then I'm lost. Because if the if the if the pants if the pants they're supposed to fit me that that right. literally say the numbers that the pants that do fit me say don't fit then what fits what what fits at all that was a riddle you just gave me so, <laughs> so then that but this is that what was keeps Dr. happening <laughs> it's happened over the years where i will go to like an old navy and somehow nothing fits nothing feels right and not even in a you'll break them in way i mean in a genuine like these are either too tight to where now I can't put anything in my pockets or mm-hmm. these are so loose that, that it's insane, that it looks like I'm wearing someone else's pants. Right. So then I, uh, then I have the issue where I buy them, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, they will fit one day. 
I either need to gain weight and they'll fit, but these will yeah, fit me eventually. It's everything. A lot of Josh things are always just like, and I'm going to get big one day. I'm going to be a big boy. And so now I've brought them home and they still don't fit and they're never going to fit. They're never going to mm-hmm. feel good. Right. But I've done this four times over the course of six years. So I have pants that I know don't fit in a bag perfectly folded to be donated mm-hmm. that I just still haven't sent for donation. Right. So, I mean, that's okay. You got, now you're doing a nice deed of, of giving someone who's slightly bigger than you, uh, a quality pair of unworn pants. I just hope these pants aren't cursed. Cause maybe that's what now, the pants do let's... is that they don't fit people. So this is like an evil version of the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like th- that fit all of them perfectly. This is, this is the bizarro. Yeah. These are the ones traveling that pants. always these ones refuse to fit. You always have to do the hike. You have to always have to do the hip hike. You know what I'm talking about? Where you like each throw. girl tries it on. They're like, it's just a little wrong. Yeah. It's almost, this is almost, off. but not, yeah. it's not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> It's really upsetting because it because the first time it happened to me, I was like, you know what? I panicked. I made an impulse purchase and I'm not a bad person. After the fourth time, I was like, how do I not know what fit is? So are you are you because I guess I'm just wondering how I know you walked me through how it's happening. But like. So are you you're trying them on and they fit? And you feel like once you get home, they don't fit anymore? No, they only kind of fit when I was there. And I thought it would get better. And so then I brought them okay. home. And then they yeah. they fit worse. Like at home, where they should know how to behave, is where they just act up and that, don't fit at all. This is a lot of pressure to put on inanimate objects i'll tell you that right now that they're supposed to don't roll no do not fucking roll your eyes at me i just saw you roll your goddamn eyes at me about your expectation of these pants to get their lives together and work better if you say 30 32 then be 30 32 yeah but it sounds like the 30 32 already isn't fitting you correctly no but you're expecting them to get more fit but when I, you but I walked home. in with a 3032 that fit perfectly yeah but sizes like change like they what like, yeah like they over time like yeah seriously I just tried on um because we found we were cleaning out my parents house no follow me on this uh-huh we were just cleaning out my parents house and I found like an old shirt of my dad's and it's a double XL and it's tighter on me than my XL shirts are but it's because Americans have gotten bigger, I think. <laughs> but, so just they've sized up the sizes. Americans may have gotten bigger, but inches did not. So the thing that is crazy to me, if if sizes change, what does anything mean? Exactly. Yeah, but that's but that's you can buy depending on the company you buy from, the fit will be different. They'll have disclaimers that be like, ours are ours are sized a little looser, so you might want to get a large instead of an extra large. Like that's that's ever and same thing with pants. Cause even I'll notice I'll try on the exact same measurement, but it's depending on one, the cut of the jean, obviously, but then also like the brand of pants. I can try on the exact same sizes. They're gonna feel different and look a little different. And I'm, then also, I'm, yeah, it depends on your are you doing straight cut? Are you doing 
you know, you're doing like the the loose fit ones. You do it. There's so a bunch of different kinds. I'm, there's too yeah. much, too many flavors now of jeans. I'm I'm telling you, I'm doing the same. I'm I'm doing straight cut for every type, and this is mm -hmm. what kills me. But I I understand what you're saying. I understand. Yeah. You're not. It's not as if you're not making sense to me. Right. But what right. you're saying doesn't make sense in the context of like a size should be an absolute. Because if you're yeah. basing 29 inches off of 29 inches, that stays the same. Right. Yeah, I don't like it, but it's... This is unacceptable. It changes in material. It's change, I mean, jeans less so, but now there's Oof. so many different cuts to jeans you have to be specific about. The cuts and I have watched changed. out for. Yeah. And styles change, too. You know, so just you'll... I don't know. But that, but no, but like the, the shirt sizes, I notice, are just different. Yeah. No, the, like, the the shirt thing is very true because I feel like I've been leading up my entire life to still be able to wear a large child's clothing. <laughs> yeah. Like like that's that that was the first thing where I was like, Oh, we're all getting a bit bigger when they added do you this is this is one of the most offensive things a department store has ever done to me. Uh, and I've been followed for being black. This is this mm -hmm. is up there with that. They had a men and boys section. This mm -hmm. this really tore me up. So when I was in high school, there was a men's yeah. and a boys section, right? Mm -hmm. And you would go to to this store, and there'd be they would say it under men and boys. They'd be like boys this many inches, all the sizings for boys, and then all the sizings that started men. And so I had waited my whole life to become a man, right? I had waited my whole life to just have to go to the men's section, to walk past mm -hmm. all these these like other kids and be like, sorry, y'all, I'm a man now, right? Mm -hmm. Then the summer of my, maybe it was my junior year, in high school, the summer that I came, the back to school sale for mm -hmm. that junior year of high school, so many kids were so big that they took two sizes from the men's and put them in the in the boys. Yeah. And so just as I was on the cusp of jumping off this cliff towards manhood, I did a Thelma <laughs> and Louise back to the children's section. Yep. Yep. Which is unacceptable. It's like, let me be a man. <laughs> Again, this is a lot of pressure you're putting on clothes. Nah, man. Nah, nah. This is a lot of... A lot nah, dude. A lot of your sanity and adulthood is riding on these pants. But look, this is my thing. Just yeah. let... If you say you're a size, don't lie. Stop lying. Stop about, lying about being about, a size. About inches. You know, want to mm -hmm. talk about men. <laughs> lying about inches right yeah then just keep keep boys and men two different sections and let's right. decide now what makes mm -hmm. a man all right is it 32 inch waist is it 30 inch waist what let's decide now because i'm tired i'm <laughs> Tired. This has been my whole life. I'm tired of going to the children's section for some of my clothes and the men's section for other parts of my clothes. Because then you go to. Do you still get clothes in the kids section? Not on purpose. That's that's not up to me. <laughs> that's not something I want. 
but what like, does that mean? But not then, on purpose. Because because some of the stuff that fits me is over uh-huh. there. And then when I'm over here looking, then the wannabe helpful bastard that works at this <laughs> department store wants to come up and be like, oh, can I help you? And like, like who are you? You shopping for your nephew or something? It's like, hey, yeah. back up. Back up. <laughs> you know, leave me alone. Let me do my thing. It's 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 really upsetting. It's like you need you need help there, sport. Yeah, your hair. Yeah, that's oof. You need help reaching anything. Then then if you do if you are gonna help me and you work at a Mm -hmm. department store, I appreciate the help. But listen to me, listen listen to what I'm saying. Well, it's hard to hear you all the way down there because I yeah cute because (laughs) because I will go to a nice this this happened. In college, I will go to a nice store that sells nice men's clothes, like a men's warehouse or something like that. You know, Mm -hmm. dress shirts, suits, pants, all that stuff. I will tell them my size. They'll look at me and they'll be like, no, no, you could put on this. And then they bring it to me and it's cartoonishly big. And I told them we didn't have to go through all this, right? You got my right. hopes up. Now you got me out here thinking that I'm a 42 regular. Baggy shirts are also in right now. So they're probably Hell doing on that. that to you. This was in and, college, and like, though. Not fair. Yeah, I guess you said it was college. Yeah. This, like, they, they, bring, they bring me ridiculous clothes. And then talk mm. about taking it in. You're going to take in the whole thing? You're going to cut this suit into half a suit? What are you going to do with the scraps? Make another I'm suit? i two suits out of this suit. <laughs> it's insane. I had a dude try to sell me. I, look, I looked like uh, Tiny Tim in this suit. And he was talking about how he'd take this in and take this in. I was like, what do you mean in? <laughs> like, <laughs> at a certain point, you're just chopping up a suit. Right, yeah. And then that was the worst one. I told them my shirt size and they were like, We don't do that here. Black dude too. It'd be your own people. Black dude too <laughs> was like, We don't do that here. He said it like I was trying to buy drugs. <laughs> I'm like I've talked about it on stage once before. I'm really upset about this. I went into this this department store to buy a black, a solid black dress shirt okay and i told him my size and he was like oh we don't do that here and i i was like what do you what do you mean and he's like oh we only we only start at this size what was it a was it like a a a big and tall store you accidentally went to or not that i could tell it was way too big to be a big and tall store because they had too many varieties of like mm. even big and tall. Unless you go into a, a truly oversized store, even big and tall is actually slim pickings. That's why right, they yeah. had to make those stores. Because so, they're catering to one demographic. Yeah. So so when I walked in, I thought this is a regular place that sells nice men's clothes. Right. You know, but apparently no nice men work here. What was the... <laughs> This is the mean men's warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> what was the shirt size you said? Did you give like just was it like a just a medium or what or did you give like No, I gave measurements, measurements. and I gave I gave my measurements. 
And then okay. he looked at my measurements like I asked him for soup. Like it was now. Was he saying maybe he was saying not just that we don't have that size shirt, but you said it was a department store. Was it maybe they don't do like custom? Maybe he thought in your mind you wanted something tailored, and he's like, "We don't do that here." Maybe it's maybe. hard to tell. You you that's, you can never tell where they're coming from in the mean men's warehouse. That is slightly reasonable, but what I tell you, I didn't I didn't like walk in hand him the paper and be like make me this and he was like we don't do that here i was like i'm looking for a solid black shirt and he was like okay what's your size and i pulled out the piece of paper i written my sizes on mm -hmm. and, and started listing it and his face just dropped and he was like we don't do that here i i really think he was hoping for just medium large like i think he wanted just the letter but that's not what was on the shirts the shirts were like uh by um whatchamacallit size like the sh the shirts that they sold there were by okay. the sizes of you would you would ask for if you had a certain suit gotcha you know because they had them by different like arm lengths too. That was the oh. thing. That's what got me. I was like, so this was like a pro like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. Gotcha. No. Okay. This place no, no. takes the more you measurements. Tell me about the no, the more you tell me about the store, the more like yeah. <laughs> this place takes measurements because okay. they had yeah, yeah. they had shirts that were legit the same shirt, but then the collars were an inch different. Okay. It wasn't like an H and M where it's like small, medium, large, XL. We don't do that here yeah we don't do that here what could that mean i don't know it seemed to mean i'm too little to be in this store because it's like i know we joke about you being little on the show but like you're not like a tiny man and you also like you're you don't have like a weird shape to you you know what i mean like you don't have like no, a i have a tiny slightly torso. weird shape nah nah not i've i've had a i've had one suit tailored in my life and the tailor had to ask the salesman to double check before he did it like i i do have a weird body in what way what, what was your torso long uh my my i can't remember i think he said my torso is slightly short and my neck is long and my neck is skinny for what my apparently the way that chests usually work in in relation to necks i don't have the i don't have the regular chest neck matchup I got okay. I got like I got a tall man neck and I got a short man chest. <laughs> this is what a tailor said. The tailor was like, "Are you sure?" The so he so No, nah, bro, this is what I was like. I'm, I'm with you. When bro. I and I didn't know any of this until cuz look, I didn't grow up with the I I grew up having like nice clothes sometimes you know like mm. my aunt would buy me some nice clothes or something but they would still be a little run-of-the-mill um they were nice clothes but they were like this is this size i didn't get it taken in or tailored or anything mm. i think i got pants hemmed once you know and didn't okay, even yeah, understand yeah. what that meant so it wasn't until i was uh i was going to the emmys for the first time that i mm -hmm. was like let me get ahead of this and have like a suit you know, like get a right. tailored suit. I'm going to the Emmys for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Doing I I buy it. Essentially, I buy it from the guy, right? Mm -hmm. And then he takes it. He he took it back there immediately because I guess the tailor was there. Then the tailor came back up to him while I'm still talking to him and was like, is all this right? 
because the because the salesman is the one that took my measurements and just gave it to the ta tailor is like a cutter like from a movie where he just back there all day so the tailor right. was not the person selling anything right taylor comes back out to the like the showroom walks up to my salesman is like is any of this right and then and then the, and then the salesman looks at me and is like like he's a little embarrassed because this dude clearly having a bad day or something and maybe right. this dude has messed up measurements before because he walked out like is any of this right none of this makes sense and then <laughs> And then this isn't a person. Yeah. And then I'm standing right there. And then the dude is like, is like, yeah, I just took him from, you know, gentleman right here. And then the tail looked a little embarrassed because now he's like, oh, I, I said to his face yeah. that none of this makes sense. And uh, and then he was like, have you ever had a suit tailored before? And I was like, no. And he was like, are you sure your chest size? And I was like, no, no. I didn't measure myself. This guy yeah, measured me. Like I didn't bring these in. Yeah. I'm I'm also not wearing a fake chest to lie to you. So then <laughs> So then he took my chest measurement one more time and he was like, "Huh?" And then he just went back there. That's wild. Yeah. That's wildly bad customer service. No, it, this is the worst part. This is the worst part. And and um Sally can even attest to this. They didn't have my suit ready, even though I went there like a week and a I half. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. This is that same place. They did not. Yeah. Th so I, I, they bring me my suit. I pay, I like, I don't even think I'd pay for it. Luckily something had happened where I don't think I had actually spent the money or else I would have really lost my mind. Um, the day of my flight, I go very early to pick up my suit and it still got chalk lines all over it. He hadn't cut anything. He yeah. hadn't done anything. And so then he was like, oh, the tailor's actually out today. Maybe you can go to now. another men's warehouse or whatever. And I was like, mm. bro. And so I go to two more that can't help me in time. Right. And then I bring it to L.A. And then, um, yeah, I think I think when I brought it to L.A., somebody was able to. I, don't, I did not buy another suit. Somebody was able to get it, I, like. Yeah, I tailored think you said in you LA. Were able, yeah, because luckily it was there with all the markings and everything, so someone just had to do it. Yeah, yeah, and it only <laughs> took. That was the thing that really pissed me off. He took my measurements again, but then all this work took like forty-five minutes. Mm. So yeah. you know, and look, I'm not a tailor. I'm not like sure if this person was really good or if it was really easy or whatever. But the when I finally took it somewhere, it was like forty-five minutes. I was like, geez. Yeah, because I had that just this year when I, I got a suit tailored and uh, we were like, oh, we're, we're getting it done. And, and then like they were like, oh, we can get it done within like a week. And we're like, oh, we're actually leaving in two days. And they're like, oh, well, then you can pick up in the morning. And I'm like that. Like, I understand giving yourself that width. But then it's like clearly this isn't like a week long process of. Yeah. I don't know. Smelting and <laughs> like. <laughs> making it seem like the well you gotta let it harden you know like, I don't... <laughs> wow wow when it's like no nah, like when a tailor knows how to do it they could do it quick they do it all the time Look, i've seen these fashion shows where they make them you got an hour to make yeah to make a, a whole unique, yeah a whole a unique penguin costume yeah <laughs> go um no no i'm just yeah i'm just floored by that yeah and but and by the way, I can hear already the emails being fired up of like, listen, ladies, 
we know you have it worse when it, your guys' pants situation is always wild. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I'm not I'm not saying anyone is doing anything that I wish I was doing. I'm just saying for me, I'm looking at four pairs of pants that don't fit me no, right now. I'm and just saying, I just know I know this is this is relatable content. Tailors Everyone... are not nice to me. <laughs> I've got evil traveling pants. Yeah. <laughs> and the tailors work at the mean men's warehouse. And a suit that refuses to hug me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, we're doing our best. What I do, a tip to, if you, like, find those right jeans, right? What I always do, I always do this. Mm-hmm. Trying a bunch of jeans. I find the ones that fit me that I really, really like. And I'm... I'm a little too much. Like I'll retry on pants a couple times, like in the same go. Like it's a, it's, it is a process for me. <laughs> if I can have Jess there, even better, because she can give me just an opinion from the outside. <laughs> How's the butt look? Let me know. You know. And then what I do is I buy two of those jeans. I find the one I like. I always buy two, because then I know I got two pairs of jeans I like. Yeah, fair enough. And fit. So that's. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Be discerning too. Don't like, don't go for kind of fits. Yeah, that's very understanding of you. Well, you know what to it be is. Like, These pants are doing their best. I'll motivate them to work harder. <laughs> so I have a light pair, a dark pair, and a black pair, right? Mm-hmm. At all times. Yeah. I always wait too long. So by the time I am pants shopping, I'm in dire straits. Like I'm, like I'm never pants shopping from a place of of oh, comfortability. Same. I've ripped the pants I'm wearing. Yeah. No, same. I'm I never cannot in wear a... the pants out that I came in with. Like I will, I, I'm, I'm in a bad way. I usually have at least three holes in the pants I'm wearing mm-hmm. when I'm trying on pants. Right. Yeah. Like I can see my feet as soon as I unbuckle my pants. <laughs> Like as soon as I drop pants a little bit, I can see my foot through whatever hole I've made from whatever walking, hole. rubbing, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's too much. So then mine's always the crotch. Is yours always the crotch? Let's yeah, get into the, it. the crotch. That's always the crotch. That's where mine tear. I never tear the knees. It's always. I've torn the butt before, but yeah, it's really the the strength of the intersection that that is mm-hmm. that is at the crotch mm-hmm. is the that first to there. go. Yeah. Same. And I'm not even, I mean, this is my other issue that I do. I do run in my jeans a lot. And that's what does it. The friction. Like for exercise or? No, no. For, I'm late. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you ever get those like kind of stretchy jeans? No, nah, I don't. I don't know if I want to get into that lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, there's got a little stretch to observe a little more. No, no, because you do that, and next thing you know, you out here a whole different type person. <laughs> just sweatpants. Yeah, like I, I think there's, there's just something about the loss of decorum with some stretchy jeans. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like come, come yes. to work or don't come at all. You know, back when men were men. And wore real denim. None of this comfortable stuff. <laughs> hey, hey. 
You want to be comfortable? Stay home. Stay in bed. You know, real. We really work out here. Real men are miserable. Yeah, yeah. If you're a real, if you're a real man, you're terrified all the time of not being miserable because then you won't be a real man. If you're a real man, yeah. you out here every day eating eating food that hurts your teeth. Mm-hmm. That's where all the good nutrition is for a man, you know. Mm-hmm. Just hard, stale granola for breakfast. Yep. yep. And glass for lunch. Mm-hmm. Hold them feelings down. Yeah. Deep. Mm-hmm. Underneath that tight denim. <laughs> is that is that feelings or is that an ulcer because you've been holding in your stress your whole life? Doesn't matter. You've got shit to do. And you're a man. Ignore that. You're a man. Is your nose bleeding? Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) You smelling burnt toast? Doesn't matter. Gotta get to work. Yeah. Like a lot of dudes. Get out here. A lot of dudes that try to keep it like hella, hella alpha always act like somebody sold them a body the way that a used car salesman sells a car. Where it's like busted up and they just keep trucking like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. The amount of dudes I know who are like, mm, mm, my arm is tight. Ah, anyway, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, yo. Because you know what it is? And I've even talked about this on, on stage before of how like with a lot of dudes, I think... I'm a firm believer it's become one of my mottos that uh, everyone is doing everything. Like there's no, there there are some things that you might find some people do a little bit more by group, but for the most part, everybody's kind of doing their version of the same thing. And it, and I feel like when you- What do you, what do you mean by that? Extrapolate on that a little bit. Like- uh, when I say everything, I mean like every type of ignorance, every type of cool thing, every type of uh, of attitude. It's it's held by everyone. It just manifests itself in a different way, you know. Gotcha. Okay. So so um, you know, like when you look at women in society, there's there's this like stereotype and a reputation for oversharing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like men overshare too. We just we just do it under our breath. That's 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 what's actually happening. So so people always give women a hard time for like oversharing or like what am I supposed to do with that information? You know, like those 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 vibes. But then mm-hmm. dudes will do that. We will just do it to see if it gets a reaction because we don't want to openly do it because that's not what dudes do. So so right. like the example of man, my my arm hurts. Mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah, no, I've 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 legit outside of jokes known guys who have done that who were probably just waiting for someone to be like, you might be having a stroke, right? Yeah, and honestly, probably only a woman would, because as other dudes were like, yeah, it happens. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a it's a it's a weird feeling, but you you see a lot of guys overshare but they try to do it on the slick and then if you yeah. if you say something if you react to it then they'll they'll like open up yeah 
Well, yeah, because guys, too, because I've been guilty of this, too, where even when, like, <laughs> we will try to actually, like, share a feeling, it always ends with, like, but I'm good, though. Don't worry about it. Like, it's always, like, yeah, it's like yeah, a, yeah. hey, anything, anything deep I may have just let out, I want you to forget that happened. Yeah, yeah. Look at me. Look at me. You heard nothing. I wasn't here. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I, I, maybe that's the way I should put it when I talk about it on stage is that, like, I think men do the I'm good the way that a lot of women apologize. A lot of women that I know in my life are like over apologize. Like some, someone right. else will drop something and they'll be like, oh, sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, yeah. they didn't drop anything. Something just mm-hmm. happened in front of them. And that is tantamount to the, to the amount of men I know that will tell you a harrowing story and then say, mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's like you need to apologize less because you didn't do anything and you were not good. Mm-hmm. I've met yeah. good. I've been good. You're not good. You're not good. What you just said wasn't good. Yeah. What you just said requires so much processing. Like, I know, I know you think you did it in a weekend, but from from what you're telling me, mm-hmm. you saw a person's face blown off. Like you're not good, yeah. And and I've seen the like I I've known women who have done like the I'm good thing too after they talk about anything, but it's always it it has a different vibe to it. It's much more of like a like a, I will deal with it though. Like I, you know, whereas men are just like pretend this didn't happen. <laughs> like yeah, the, yeah. The, the man's I'm good is the is is trying to do like the men in black mind eraser thing. Yeah. <laughs> to what they just said. A man's I'm good is like saying hey, if you tell anybody I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> that's kind of all good segues into i think you're right i think if you want to dig into your new segment yeah so we at the show and by we i mean logan and i there's the, not the, an extra person there's no one else it's the two of us all of us here <laughs> at josh johnson industries we were in bozeman montana at yes. a pretty lovely bookstore, uh, what apparently is the, is it all, all of Montana or was it just, I mean, maybe it was just Bozeman, but it was the biggest square foot bookstore. Um, it had to be in Bozeman, I would guess. You would think so, but like when you really think about it, where else in Montana is a bookstore that big? Maybe Livingston? I mean, but, also, but yeah, if any other town at any point had a Barnes and Noble. Those are bigger than I guess so. Huge. Yeah, I mean those are huge. <laughs> a lot of them. Um so, but we so I don't know, but I didn't hear that piece of trivia, so I can't I, I wasn't there for that. Yeah, I can't remember it. But we went to this bookstore that was really great. And we both bought a book called Zen in the Age of Anxiety. Wisdom for navigating our modern lives. Uh I could be mispronouncing this person's name but the book is by tim burkett i'd say yeah burkett or burkett okay and we spent a little bit of time reading it individually logan and i we didn't i didn't read to logan um not like on the patreon (laughs) i say we're doing that on patreon josh is reading things to me i can read i want to just get out of the (laughs) and yeah because i just happened to find this book because it was on one of like the bargain tables and i just read the first little beginning of it and i was like oh i like this i might 
because I've been I've been struggling with some anxiety and stuff lately. And then you saw it, and you were just like, "I'm getting one too." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went up there, and then you pitched me this idea of us talking about it on the podcast. Yeah. So basically, we both read the first section, chapter one, and mm-hmm. we're thinking that for the next, you know, few episodes, as long as it sort of lasts, um, that we will go ahead and you know, kind of do a breakdown of each chapter and what we thought of it, our sort of feelings on it or anything that it brought up for us. And Or this sucks and we'll cut it out. Yeah, we'll yeah. If it, if it if it's really bad, like if it if it if it, it does just goes nowhere. Yeah, if it just does turn into us crying, then we probably will <laughs> Maybe even continue to do it, but cut it from the feed. You know, like by the time you hear the episode, you won't hear those things. Um, right. But yeah, I think. But we'll just post a clip of us crying completely out of context on YouTube. Yeah, that'd be great. Just... <laughs> so I guess I wanted to... Josh Johnson and White Friend to have a tough time. <laughs> it's yeah, it's all happening all at once. <laughs> really hurts. <laughs> But like, but we, it, you kind of said too, like, because we end up talking about some of the stuff, and we get emails and messages about this type of stuff. So we thought maybe it'd be worth doing. Um, I guess though, maybe it, like, have you been dealing with anxiety lately, or? Yeah, always. Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I think mine just sort of like manifests differently. Uh, so I don't feel like I need to talk about it as as much as I probably should and I think that I'm good don't don't worry about it I'm good yeah yeah it, it won't even just be in an I'm good situation it'll legit be like oh I, I might save this for um for for if it gets worse because I think right now it's just a passing feeling and then mm. it usually does end up being a passing feeling. So okay, I am grateful for that. Um, I think that for the most part, a lot of my anxiety is driven by sort of spiraling in, into a, um, a thought pattern. The book talks about thought patterns and, and uh, addressing them as they're happening and looking at them less like spirals up or down because sometimes you get into a thought pattern that's overly positive you almost have a manicness to you where you're like and then this is gonna happen and then i'm gonna crush it and then this is gonna Mm. come up next i'm gonna make so much money and i think that that could potentially while at least feels good in the moment be equally as destructive and so reading this book getting through this first little chapter here i think the thing that stuck out to me the most was uh was was that you can you can start to treat life as a as a process as opposed to uh bumbling around with all these things are happening to me and define me i don't know if you if that section spoke out to you but there there was this section where he talked about his friend, uh, I think it was Alice, and how for everything that happened in Alice's life, it then depended on how Alice felt about herself. So then these sort of external circumstances that Alice had no control over would still impact a person, but they would lead Alice to either feel like a good mom or a bad mom or a good partner or a bad partner. And I think that 
while any of those things can be true for a person, the thing mm-hmm. that really sticks out to me as as deeply important that I try to remind myself and I especially try to get my friends to remind themselves of is that no matter what happened today, uh, life, life is not a series of events happening to you, right? You're part of life. If you, mm-hmm. and, and, and not that I really believe in control, but you give up all control of your life when life becomes what's going to happen to me today or what's going to happen for me today. And, and you sort of identify only with events. And I think that when you look at life as a, as a process, as you're sort of moving through and yes, maybe this thing is happening right now, but rather than looking at it as good or bad, you look at it as the state of life right now. And if you can Mm -hmm. have that level of, uh, I mean, indifference is probably impossible. It's it's literally your life. You're going to have to feel some type of way about it, I suppose. But if you can bring a sort of um, of evenness to it, then I think that all external forces, good or bad, have less impact on you. And then you have a bit more insight into yourself. I feel like so much of how we feel about ourselves is like good noise or bad noise, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, like, because you're right, what he says in the thing is like, we all we all tend to think of ourselves like, like self as just a string of events. We just put like, here's things that happened. And that's me. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. question mark. And it's like, that doesn't leave you a lot of room to like, I don't know, to really, I guess, have an identity weirdly, if that makes sense. No, it does. I think that's like, why so many people who like even become parents then struggle with identity because they're like, I was a physicist. Am I just a parent now? <laughs> yeah. Do I just clean poop now? Yeah, yeah. And it's like Is that what I do? Well, one thing doesn't negate the other and you don't stop being even even if you right. stop the action of something. That's that's why like you look at comedy, I think that people who take breaks, even if they're long, four, five year long breaks from doing stand up and they feel like mm. they're not real comedians, it's like that doesn't that that's not really true. What makes someone a real comedian right. over someone who who did it, you know, every every day for seven years? It's like, you know, people have asked me if if have I ever taken like a three month break or something. I've mm. as I've said no, but I have been bad for three months. Right. Yeah. So there's probably when you look at the whole. Um, the whole of my life, there's probably going to be whole points where you can look back and be like, you probably just should have taken that little bit of time off. <laughs> you weren't really doing anything. No one, no one needed those sets. You could have, yeah. you could have stayed home. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's something like, you know, you know, I've talked about this recently, but that's, that's something I deal with a lot, particularly about stand up, like that exact thing of like, cause I don't get to do it as often as I want to. So I tell myself that like, I'm not a real comedian you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and I don't put out clips a ton either. And right now I've been having a trial. Like I just haven't written a lot of new stuff. That's been a big problem for me is like not getting new material churned out, which then is like well, why, really turns into. Yeah. No, no. Keep going. Keep going. I was just saying, Then that really like makes me feel like I'm like, am I even actually doing it or am I just doing sets here and there, but just running the act or something like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so what do you think it is that makes you feel like you're not able to write more stuff because it's not as if you stop saying funny things 
Does that make sense? What know. I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like I th- no, and I'm. I feel like I'm a great punch up writer. When anytime, like, when you or someone else comes to me with like a idea, like, what, how, yeah, yeah, I I know I'm I'm always great with that stuff. I like it's. I don't know. It's just like when it's my own stuff. I have a hard time creating. I think it's just like probably probably has a lot to do with my how I view myself right now. Mm-hmm. So. But do you buckle buckle up, listeners, because Logie hates himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> but do you think then that you you can't identify with when you have punched up a person's joke? So, so if someone brought you a joke, and you, mm-hmm. you know, like you can't really speak on art in in mathematic terms, but like, yeah. let's say someone did bring you a joke and you made it two hundred percent funnier. You don't think of yourself as someone who can do that for you, maybe because you because you did it. Do, do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? No, like, I, I like, know what you mean. I mean like yeah. in this in this scenario, because I'm I'm with you because I used to feel this way before I started mm-hmm. writing a lot. So now I'm writing more than I've ever written in my entire life. Like like mm-hmm. every every day and every week I'm writing more than I thought was possible right but before I started writing like that I felt the way that you're describing how you feel about writing new stuff where I was like this isn't it and this isn't hitting and this is like the idea is there but I'm not conveying it well enough or whatever and then you know I I had to take a step back and be like if I am conceivably if i am writing for other people and punching their stuff up so well mm-hmm. then clearly i know how to write jokes and i and i have experiences that i enjoy telling to people that make people laugh so clearly i have stories so why am i feeling like i'm in a rut and i have a block and i mm-hmm. think that the rut and the block was more a mindset towards what i was already doing rather than something i couldn't do does that make sense? You lost me a little bit just in that last phrasing. So so I was already doing everything I was trying to do. I was just doing it for other people. Right. So it was more my attitude towards myself and, and what I thought of my work that was hindering me yeah. rather than an actual inability to do the work. No. Uh, yes. I would say that's that's what it is for me. Like, Because when I'm... Like, you know, when you call me and you want to go through a set and, you know, help come up with tags and stuff like that, like, when I, cause I think when I'm just reacting to something and just, then it's, it is just truly like inspiration of just like, ooh, this makes me think of this. And then I just say it. And I think there's also a little bit too of like, well, if you don't want it, then you don't have to use it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, there's the pressure of coming up with my own stuff and then being like, well, I need some new material. I guess do I try this? You know, do I want to? I don't really have a lot of faith in this joke or whatever. Um, I think it's also too, a lot of my gigs lately are opening for you, which I love doing. Then it's like I always want to just make sure I don't want to fuck around too much, which I know you always encourage me to do, but like I want to be a good opening set for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, I'm with you because I've I've definitely been there before, like you're describing. Mm. But I do think that there's a there's a how do I put it? The, the, the same thing that you may feel is, mm-hmm. is a hindrance to you might be your, your sort of greatest asset in that if you aren't getting to, to do it as often as you want, 
then yes, there's going to feel like this pressure to bring a new set every time and just bring the house down and crush it because maybe for this week you have you have the one or two spots, right? Mm-hmm. But what's actually happening is that the pressure is off of you because you only have one or two spots. So it's not as if the end of comedy is coming and you have to bring down the house, if that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying because I, especially when I moved to New York, dude, I would have like a spot that wasn't an open mic. We're not talking about open mics. I would have mm-hmm. like a spot in a week that was actually on a show. And then right. I would hype myself up so much. Like I got to kill because there might be other comics at the show. And if other comics are at the show, then they'll invite me to do their show. Cause I did so well at this show. And then I get to the show and it's like 12 people and right. And no comics are there outside of the comics that are on the show. And then everyone leaves after their set. And the one person that stays to watch me, maybe we become friendly, but like, you cannot hype up a situation to be what you expect it to be by the time you get there. Everything is going to be what it's going to be when it, when it's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that you being a a talented writer is not going to change no matter how you feel about yourself, because if it, if it, if it was, then you wouldn't be able to give me insight when I call you. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So no, you know, no story that we that like we're too close to the situation, no matter where we are in life. And so Mm -hmm. no story we tell about ourselves, good, bad or as close to neutral as we can possibly get is actually going to be true, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And I know I know so much of what this is just becoming therapy now, uh, but I know (laughs) so much of like what I particularly have been dealing with a lot lately it, and I think this has started now infe- affecting my stand-up a little bit in that way of both the writing and sometimes the performing where, like, I can't get this thought out of my head that, like, just I am an absolute failure and I failed at everything I've wanted to do. And it's like, and that might not even be true at all, but it's like, that is, like, the thought that is in my head all the time. So it's like, when you're starting from that place... Mm-hmm. You know, because even too, fuck, I'll say it, like one of the sets at Bozeman that I did, I felt awful about it, mm-hmm. like walked off. And I even said, <laughs> I said that felt like a career low set to me. And it was the most you've ever like shrugged me off in a way that like I deserve because you were just like, I don't know about all that. Like, <laughs> just like yeah, yeah, which yeah. was not you. You weren't letting it be a real thought. You're like, that's you were <laughs> basically saying that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, but it's like I think it's just when it doesn't feel great. Mm hmm. Like it, it's it it takes so little for me now to just like hit rock bottom in in like a mental place about myself. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. I, no, I'm I'm with you, and I think that it you what you're describing feels a lot like when you watch people play tennis, right? Go on. Where <laughs> when you when you are watching a tennis match and you're watching this like especially with the with the best of five, it's like this hall of just you know you're going to be watching these people run back and forth doing their best for like maybe a couple hours especially if they're mm-hmm. both really good or if they're both really right, bad yeah. but like like really going at it right but then mm-hmm. when you hear a tennis player's interview after the fact they're like yeah after the second set I got in my head and I just couldn't fight back I couldn't I couldn't get in there but then you if you watch the game they won several sets after they're talking about they couldn't get back Mm-hmm. So so 
so much of what we do, whether whether it's comedy or it's writing, is about is about process over over everything, process over inspiration, process mm-hmm. over feeling or anything like that. If you have the ability to to get yourself to do the thing, knowing it might be bad, and you do it anyway, you're already a, a quintillion times better off than someone who wakes up feeling it knows how to bring it has a good day because that person is it they go with the wind it's it's all about feeling whereas when Mm -hmm. you are continuing to do a thing no matter how you may feel about yourself or, or or your performance in it in the moment you're actually doing this this really powerful thing of like showing up anyway and when you and when, right. when you do that, because then you know if 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 you want to get into that that section, you didn't feel good about your Bozeman set on on Friday, but then on Saturday mm-hmm. you had a better set than me. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I, don't, I would I wouldn't say I had a better set than you. I, 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 nah, man. Like I got tape. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got tape. I have. I have evidence. You know what I mean? I'm very scared that this is Amazon with my new bonnet. So give me a quick second. Because if I don't have this bonnet. We just talked about it in the live show where the dog ate his bonnet. So he needed to order a new one. Okay. All right. Was it the new bonnet? Yeah, I think so. Chance ate my bonnet. And uh, then I had to go back to this other bonnet that's made out of some terrible material that pulls at my hair so we're finally okay i will say hearing that buzzer because i heard it just faintly behind you talking there Mm -hmm. there was a quick second where i thought my cat learned a new noise because it sounded like it was in the basement with me and the dogs are upstairs but the cat's over there and i was like is she at the door with a new scream yeah yeah and then i realized it was the buzzer (laughs) on your end Oh man, that's dope. Uh, <laughs> if if a cat sounded like that, I'd have to get if rid a, of that cat. That's I cannot live with that cat. That cat's a surveillance cat. That's a robot cat. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Uh, no, but on the on the on the stuff with the sets, like I, a thing I have to like, I think I have to make myself because you've even seen me be dissatisfied with good sets too, and I think just so much of it is coming down to like. I mean, obviously, just headspace stuff, but it is like, 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 why, like that Saturday one, like after the Friday one, I went so much into Saturday being like, I need to just go in wanting to have more fun. Cause the Friday, it's not that I didn't want to have fun, but I got up there and right away I'm like, this doesn't feel fun. And then I think I do, I just chose to not have fun then for the rest of it. Mm. Whereas in the next one, I was like focusing all day and being like, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to maybe try some some jokes I haven't done, you know, in a little bit that are silly. I want to just go have fun. I wore a dumb shirt. And like that that shirt was an active choice to be like this you can't be a sad guy in this dumb colorful shirt with wrestlers on it. You can't like that was an active choice to be like this will make me have to be a fun person. Mm-hmm. If I'm a sad guy in this shirt, no one wants that guy. Mm-hmm. A sad guy in a fun shirt no thank you yeah 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 we should sell shirts that say sad guy fun shirt (laughs) but you know what i mean you can you can be you can be a guy who's too much in a a colorful shirt you can't bum me out wearing a hawaiian shirt 
you just can't do that. That's yeah. that sucks. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that is that's a, that's a lie. You're yeah. you're 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 not selling. You know what you're advertising here. No, that's very um, fair. So that was like actively part. That's why I was just like, I'm like, this shirt's a choice, but I'm like, I'm gonna do it just to like, yeah, <laughs> make myself, you know, be a character a little bit more. And it it was just me, but it's like made me have to like. Made me have to live up to the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, you know, but that that's just that's where I'm just at with a lot of things. I'm just I I've like I don't know, just been in you know, I don't need to just do therapy, but it's like I've just been in a bad headspace for a lot of things and just like having a hard time and having a hard time finding the joy in most things, including stand up, which I do love. Yeah, I mean But like having a hard time like being fulfilled with it in any way yeah i i think that when you when you speak on like failure and stuff like that that this is kind mm-hmm. of where i've been before where i had a real crossroads both when the strike started and last year that were pretty i'd say i'd say they felt pretty big for me and 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 i was worried about becoming a failure and like worried about um not being able to make anything out of what i had built so far and stuff and like mm-hmm. i had all these and still have all these like dreams of things i want to do and people i want to collaborate with but i'm like why would they like want to work with me and everything and then you know these were more you know moods and 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 thoughts but one of the things that also happens in the book when when I was reading it in this like first chapter, was it it also talked about how let me see if I can find it right now. Be better if I could like speak to it specifically. Because mm-hmm. the Alice thing really threw me for a loop. Whenever they're talking about how um it, That story didn't sound real either. What? Just that story of like this happened to her. I, I'm just always oh, cautious oh, yeah, yeah. of any book about this. They're like, this happened to my friend. Let's call her blank. And then I'm like, well, I get like I'm like I get the point. But there was a, there was just part of me like I'm cynical enough to be like I don't know if that's a real story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I I feel like but if it was, think about you, Alice. I feel like the the way that life goes is how. Alice sort of responded to it because it says like, you know, her, her daughter had a mental episode and then she felt like a bad mother. Then she realized that her daughter's illness had nothing to do with her because, you know, she went to, she went to therapy and her therapist told her like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, the, we're still learning about how mental illness works and everything. And so then Alice became a mental health advocate and then, you know, then her son, this is like later, her son gets kicked out of college and then she feels like a bad mother again. It's like when you when you let life and, and circumstance sort of like toss you around as far as how you feel about yourself and, and how you measure yourself up, mm. it, it does it does not usually go well because you either find that you are measuring yourself incorrectly or you don't actually have any reason to feel the way you feel, good or bad. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think I think by trying to treat all 
of how life comes as a, as a process and just a thing that's happening now. Right. You know, yeah. like you said, once you chose to have fun, there was no way you weren't going to have fun. That was a good crowd and you had a great set. So I was going to be fun in their fucking face. Yeah. If, so if they weren't with me. It's like, that's more, that's more the antidote to, to me at least to feeling like a failure. Cause I, I what I did was when I really felt like low and like a failure and everything, I just started pouring it on and just throwing more stuff out there and just, and just mm -hmm. going, going for yeah. as much as I could. Cause I was like, if I'm already, if, if I'm, if I, for whatever reason, for whatever, whatever day of the week feel like a loser, then there's no lower I can go. I might as well do whatever it is I want to do anyway, because at, at best, right. at best, I won't be a loser anymore because I will have fulfilled a thing I've always wanted to do. And at worst, I'll just stay the same because if I'm already a loser, then where is there <laughs> to go from here? You can't yeah. be extra loser. You know what I mean? And so I don't know. I I'm telling you, man, like when you, <laughs> no, when people feel low, I think that that sometimes is like, obviously you don't want to have those feelings and those feelings are part of life, but sometimes mm -hmm. that's the way forward. It's like the worst thing that can happen is nothing as far as mm -hmm. making your efforts mean something. The worst thing that can happen is nothing. And then right. if I'm already feeling low, there is that sort of like cliche, there's only up from here, but, it, but it's true in that maybe I'm going to try again. I'm going to get beat down again. You know, like so many right. of my efforts, I feel like, and I, I won't get into what they are specifically just yet, but I feel like I've had a lot of efforts over time that have equated to nothing or they failed. And it's like, all right, you might as well try it again because you already know what it's like to fail. So you might as well get another feeling out of it. Right. You yeah. know, and, and so much of how self-talk works is what I'm interested in as we get deeper into the book, because the the book also talks about meditation and about, and you know, addressing the movies we play in our head of, of the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. Those two things alone, I feel like if I can become more open to challenging myself to, to being mindful of those two things, if I can meditate a little bit more mm -hmm. and if I can catch myself playing the movie in my head while I'm watching it, I don't think that there's a way in which I won't um see improvements in my stress and my anxiety and in my overall worldview right yeah the 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 movie thing stuck out to me of being like because that is like that is what we do we build like we're all the main characters in our own little movie that we play in our head and sometimes what we play is just the oh here's the highlights of the events that i feel define me that are the you know like the self like he talks in it um Everything is very meditation based in this book, which I didn't realize, but get into it. And it's like, man, I've never been able to like get into that. And like, I know it takes practice and everything, but like, I do get like, <laughs> my mind is like distracted enough and like anxious enough that even just starting meditating, it turns into just like, like you don't want to fucking do this, idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. Immediately, it immediately shifts that way. So it's like that's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I know I need to get into meditation. I just can't like I, I need to find like probably a good guided one or something like that because I can't like when I've tried to do little tricks, it may work once and then I'll try it again. And then it's like my mind just takes over. Yeah, but I, I do feel like 
right now you're speaking on meditation the way that people speak on stand-up, right? So people who want to get into stand-up are like, I'm, I, I don't think I can get up in front of people or I, I can't write all down all my ideas. or yeah, And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, yes, I understand that you cannot right now in this moment, but one, one single, one single like slip of the foot, I won't even say step, like one, mm-hmm. one single slide forward is, is so much more important and, and like monumental than you being able to just walk in and be good at it, you know, cause I right. felt exactly the way that, um, that, that you feel now when I was in Chicago and I tried to meditate the first few times and mm-hmm. I'm still not good at it. I'm still not someone who can sit down for 20 minutes and just like let myself have it, you know? Right. Yeah. But I got, I got to, I will say this, this is, and just so you know, and, and for the listener as well, I put in a lot of time. I put in a lot of work and I got mm-hmm. up to 10 minutes. Right. And yeah. it's like, but those 10 minutes when I got good at 10 minutes was almost all I needed. And so if, we, if you and I aren't necessarily trying to become monks and we do have jobs and we do have or is that things. a new goal for this podcast i is our journey i think i think monks. it might be horrible i think i think <laughs> us as monks would be it would oh dude you already are mad that people aren't wearing real jeans out here now you're just gonna go out in a robe man yeah talk about no decorum robe better fit <laughs> robe better fit <laughs> The monk tailor comes out. He's like, is this right? Is this right? It's like, how do you is mess up right? a robe? How is a robe just draping you on me? You just is... need the head hole. That's all you need. And you messed it up. <laughs> what One last thing for the book, just on that, that, that did stick out to me, was talking about like when you start getting like a routine down or practicing something that helps, and then you fall off of it. He called it the, it's like the footprints phase, where it's like, you're like following tracks in the snow, but at points like they fill in, they get blown over. So then you're suddenly like, oh, no, and you get overwhelmed and stuff. I just related to that because I'm just like that happens to me a lot where I'll get into like a healthy like rhythm of doing something and then something changes. And then now I'm totally thrown off and I don't know how to refine the process. That happens to me a lot. So, I mean, I think that especially with like I mean, it's basically what I just said about the. You know my inability to 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 meditate, my inability to be calm. Yeah, I mean, are you are you worried something will happen if you're not calm? Um, worried something will happen if I'm not calm. I mean, having probably a, a heart attack, but I don't know. Well, <laughs> young, I, I guess. I guess there's a lot of behaviors I watch people do, and I've had these behaviors mm. as well, where it feels like. To be stressed out is the way yeah. that I duct tape the world together. So if I can center myself around my stress, I'm doing everything I should be doing. It's it's like those people who equate being stressed with working hard. And then they've done so many studies that they've shown you're not actually working harder just because you're stressed out. You're actually making more mistakes. You are sometimes doubling your work. It's like there, there's no real payoff for feeling some type of way. 
that, but we, I think one as comedians and two as Americans find so much, maybe it's from the stories that we tell ourselves and the biographies that we've been fed since we've been kids. We find so much, um, inspiration and nobility in stress and anxiety and pressure in like having to overcome something that to simply exist or to simply go forward and do it, do what you want the way that you want feels like, no, that can't possibly work. Oh yeah. I mean, I had a lot of comedians have this and I had it for a long time too of the, the, Oh, well if I get like happy, I won't be funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, nah, you you will be. You'll just be less of a miserable fuck to be around. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. Because I had that for, and even I think even the the book mentioned something like we worry if we let go of parts of those things of ourselves. Like, is it you? And it's like, yeah, you just won't be holding on to those things that drag you down. And like, and this thing, I think that's where I get most frustrated with myself is like, I know this stuff intellectually, but when I spiral, I truly can't stop it. And I used to be able to, and I guess. I guess why part of I think where some of the failure feelings come from is I feel like I've taken a big step back in my mental health, like which has like been disappointing, and I already feel like I've taken step backs like a little bit in my career and where I live and and stuff like that. And, and, you know, there was already so much of that feeling that I suppressed for a while, got rid of for a while, but now it's like all like the floodgates had been opened and stuff like that and yeah and especially too i think a lot of my success now in stand-up and in podcasting and stuff is attached to you and i love that we do this stuff together but it's like i get people messaging me and just be like josh is great and i'm like he sure is <laughs> you know, like, it's like i don't always know what to do with it sure where it's like where it's like yeah like i but like Yes, I love working on this. I love opening for my friend Josh. I I I get excited when you I've you've been I've straight up gotten mad at you when you haven't told me about something cool you've done. Oh yeah, but I don't like, I don't tell like, anybody until it's done. No, I know, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's how much though I enjoy your success and stuff. So it's like this isn't me being like I'm angry at your success. I've literally gotten pissed off that he hasn't told me about a cool project he's been on. Yeah. I've been like, what the fuck? Where was the phone call, guy? Yeah, that sounds awesome. No, that's fair. That's fair. You know, so it's like, so that's why it's like, it doesn't come from like a, I'm mad at Josh's success, but it is weird where now, like, I think a lot of any of my, like, I guess, cultural, you know, public cachet is so attached to you and your success that, like, you know, so sometimes I think I have a hard time seeing myself within it. Yeah. When it's like most of the people who reach out to me fan wise are just like, I love you and Josh. Like Josh is doing great things. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, but people are saying that to me as well. That that's the thing that maybe you're not seeing because you don't see my messages. But it's like, yeah, that that's what people are also saying with the podcast. They're like, they're like, uh, you know, I love you and Logan, or I love y'all's friendship, or I love the way that y'all mm -hmm. talk to each other. Like all those things like that is still very much attached. Because even when people DM me about coming to shows, they're like, "Is Logan gonna be there?" You know what I mean? So. I think mm -hmm. that maybe from, you know, and, and it's why perspective is so powerful. It's like, I think from your end, you maybe feel a certain way. And I'm not saying I'm ever bothered by those things. Like, you know, I tell them in the DM, like, yes, Logan's coming. You know what I mean? Right. But, yeah. but and I'm not going to be there. He lies to people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done whole shows where people walk up and they're like, Oh man, this is so fun. I was I was hoping Logan would be here. Oh. And I'm like, oh man, I just did like an hour and a, and fifteen minutes of stand up. 
which is what I've dedicated my life to. But yeah, I also wish Logan was here so that you could be happy. <laughs> well, maybe I need to remember that there's the flip side to it. I think I, and that, you know, honestly, it's a lesson right there. I do always forget the flip side to a lot of things I feel. Because like my brother one time, because I put it, I was like saying like, I when I moved back to Iowa and like back to my hometown, then I was kind of like, shit, did I fail? And in my mind, everyone was seeing me as like, like, and it was totally my own projection of like, I'm this guy who moved away, started doing this thing, failed, had to move back. And then my older brother one day, like I was telling him that and he was just like, he's like, I think everyone's actually just really happy you're around and they think what you do is cool. And it's like, ugh, like, yeah, that's obvious. If I just let that in, that would feel way better. Yeah. And like, yeah. I know that I know everybody I work with at the school and stuff like they they're always so interested in my career. Everyone likes working with me. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's where I had that thought, too. I'm like, how am I so miserable when I literally go to a place where everyone likes me? <laughs> like, I have a great home life and an amazing girlfriend. Why am I so fucking down on myself all the time? You know? Yeah. And I, I think that as, that's why I asked that question, because I was like, do you think something I I used to do this? This is like mm -hmm. insight into how I used to think. I would punish myself for every good thing that would happen. So that way, whenever like bad times came in life, I felt like I was earning credits where bad things couldn't happen to me oh, if I was shitting on myself looks. all the time. So so if I was like, yeah, you had a good set, but that's just because the other people on the show were a little newer than you. Or yeah, they, they like you, but they just like you because they haven't heard like an edgier joke yet or like you know what whatever the thing is i would always it couldn't just be about your skill or your likability yeah it, was, it had it was to a be a different reason it had to be an accident because so that way mm -hmm. when someone finally didn't like me outright and it's like this guy's not funny i already in my mind prepared myself for that by not letting myself have fun or feel good mm -hmm. at it or and that's that's kind of why i asked that question because i used to I used to sort of walk around with very, not even like low, I can't even call it low self-esteem anymore because I didn't believe half of it, but I used to not let myself have anything in my head or out loud. So that way it felt like it was keeping the world even because in my mind, I only deserved so much happiness and so much mm -hmm. uh, credit. And so if I took too much, I'd have to pay for it later. A lot like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, a little, little curveball just in the, yeah at the end there but yeah no i get that i just got grossed out in my head thinking about the potential like messages of support we're gonna get and that's that just made me <laughs> that's made very me funny Ill. that's that's <laughs> Yeah, I just got physically ill. Let somebody support you. Like, you. Let somebody you let somebody feel. Great. Let somebody feel uh, for you. Let somebody let, no. Fine. Let somebody connect with I'm you, fine. bitch. I'm good. Let somebody I'm connect good. with you. <laughs> I'm good. Let somebody no, love your punk ass. <laughs> uh, as we wrap up, I will actually, um, real quick, just to thank our listeners for uh, the love and support. I got this last week. Actually, I got a lot of messages of support on Instagram and a couple of emails too, people supporting me in dealing with Josh's truly 
buck wild defenses of not being able to see last episode. I got a lot, it was an outpouring of support. A lot of people straight up reached out and said this was Josh's most unhinged defense yet of him not needing glasses. Um, I got this little quasi mailbag. I got a message here from Curtis. Hey, Logan, in Toontown, I started listening to you guys about a month ago, and due to the nature of my job, I'm a cheesemonger, which is fun. That's a fun detail. Okay. Um, I have now caught up on the show. I have had a couple things that I thought about messaging in about, but holy goddamn, Josh trying to gaslight you about sight drove me to lunacy. Josh, you are a caricature of a human being. Stay strong, Logan. Love both of you guys. Hope you make it to Salt Lake City sometime. Much love, Curtis. Thank you for the message of support. I got several. I got a lot Look, of messages how about this? on Instagram. How about this? How about this? How about this? For you and all the listeners. Oh. All right. You telling me that I'm crazy because I just don't feel like putting two windows in my face. It's fine if it ended there. But last episode, you were truly trying to convince me that seeing was bad. You were you were on another one. No, I never said it was episode. bad. I said it was your crutch. I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> that you wake up every day like, oh, let me hurry up and grab some sight. Oh, let me let me hurry up and run yeah, and you, run back like an addict. You addicted. You addicted. I'm I'm addicted to noticing things. All right, I notice plenty. You addicted. Is the e the email from Day Josh? Except that you can't see. I can see. Hey, hey Josh. Hey Logan. I'm about 45 minutes in, and this is the argument I have been waiting for. Josh describing things as he quote sees them is always hilarious because in the back of my mind since day one i'm always thinking about the joshy needs glasses episodes keep up the awesome content josh i pray for the day you find a trustworthy optometrist slash ophthalmologist and for the uh and for the post glasses content love y'all hope you two and your ladies have an awesome fall slash winter thank you for that message great messages of support about your buck wild takes well, yeah, you know, thank you all so much for listening to The Josh Johnson Show. We had a great time recording. I hope you had a great time listening. If you were looking to catch up with us on any of the socials, you can find me at Josh Johnson Comedy on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting full clips and short clips of the show. And if you were looking for Logan... You can follow me on Instagram at Logan M. Nielsen. And if you want to email us, you can uh, email Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or uh, answer our Q&As we put on Spotify sometimes for uh, to get into the mailbag segment. Um, I guess, too, let us know if you liked this. I don't know. The, yeah, yeah, you should new... let us know because if you don't say anything, we'll just keep doing it. And if you did not enjoy this, you yeah. need to speak up now. <laughs> Let your voice be heard. Be nice about it. I mean, we just talked about our mental health, you know, so we're, we're fragile boys. Yeah, uh, but it's a real democratic <laughs> process. Honestly, if even it like really eight is. people are like, that was really hard to get through, then it's, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Put in the subject of your email, uh, that was weird. <laughs> there we go. Um, thank you all so much. I hope you have a great rest of the day and a wonderful weekend. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.